Hello and welcome everyone to the Traction Stage podcast. Traction is what every founder in an early stage startup is looking for. It is the clear evidence that the market wants your product or service and it's when things start getting bigger and better. I'm Alexandre Azevedo and as your host I'll interview startup entrepreneurs from all over the world to better understand which were the elements they've counted on and the challenges they faced before finding traction for their businesses. In today's episode, I'll interview Nico Skivesky, co-founder of Redox. Hello everyone, this is Alex again, and here we go to another episode of the Traction Stage podcast. Today, I'll interview Nico Skivesky, co-founder of Redox. Redox is a startup from the United States focused on accelerating the development and distribution of digital health solutions with a full-service healthcare integration platform to securely and efficiently exchange data. Well, hello and welcome to the Traction Stage podcast, Nico. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And of course, congratulations for Redox success. Oh, th th thanks. It's, uh, it definitely feels like we're still in the midst of it, but uh, have you know, have had some traction along the way. So happy to discuss that. Yeah, sure, sure. And so before jumping directly into the traction story of Redox, tell us what what is the problem that you are solving for healthcare vendors and healthcare providers? Yeah, it is a kind of deep systemic problem that we see. Uh, for sure in the United States, as well as I imagine uh, around the world, um, one, one of the main barriers to technology adoption within the healthcare space is the inability for new software, you know, software being built in the cloud for consumers on their phones and whatnot, to actually exchange data with the health systems that they work with. Because uh, for the most part, healthcare organizations who are treating patients have electronic medical records that were really never designed to talk to the internet. And so what Redox does is connect these two worlds by um, taking data out of health systems and standardizing it in the cloud and then making it available over an API for software developers to use. Um, so on the software developer side, they can connect to us once and work with any of the health systems that are on our network or they bring into the network. And on the health system side, they can connect to Redox and work with any of the applications that they might want to utilize. And so these are all sorts of different types of digital health applications, um, things like telehealth solutions or remote patient monitoring, or even kind of getting into the fitness tracker world where, um, you know, it might be important to, to monitor someone's activity levels to make sure they don't get readmitted to the hospital. So it's a wide range of different types of healthcare technologies. But really what Redox is doing is connecting those two worlds of modern software development and uh, the legacy status quo world of, of uh, electronic health records used at health systems. And for those of us that are not really familiar with all the aspects of the healthcare industry, uh, why is the lack of integration such a big problem for them? Yeah, so electronic health records were adopted primarily in the last 10 years, and um, they were mostly adopted to streamline billing processes. So when you go to the doctor, the doctor documents what happens in the visit, and then that goes to insurance and, um, you know, the claim is submitted and it gets paid for. So they weren't really designed to uh, be a platform or be the backbone of data within the healthcare organization, but that's what they turned into because billing is so important. So um, it's, it's very rare to find a provider who likes 
who enjoys using their electronic health record. So there's a lot of opportunities to improve the provider experience by bringing in third-party applications that are focusing on, you know, different types of users and, and how they need to interact with uh, patients and, and the underlying data, uh, as well as on the patient side. Um, you know, when you go to the doctor, you're often filling out a uh, filling out a clipboard of information, you're retelling the same stories over and over again uh, about your health. So there's tons of opportunities every time you go to the doctor to, to see ways that software could and should be implemented to improve that experience. So we're seeing entrepreneurship really from all sides create new software applications for healthcare trying to address these problems. Um, and because these electronic health records were never really designed to be that platform to be built upon, we have to um, retrofit them, if you will, or, or, or maybe a better word is modernize them so they can become that platform so health systems can adopt that technology. And that, that has proven to be one of the largest barriers to technology adoption um, is, is just because it was never designed to do that. And um, each health system has their own kind of siloed, customized version of it that they're uh, employing right now. Okay, now tell me about the solution. Tell me a little bit about what Redox is doing to solve that problem. Yeah, so the way that we think about Redox is a, is a two-sided network. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of startups out there who are trying to, to figure out two-sided network business models. And so that's very much how we think of ours. And, and ours is probably a fairly unique one in that we're not like a marketplace, um, you know, like eBay or, or Craigslist or uh, even Lyft and Uber and those guys are kind of this... Airbnb, right? It's a two-sided marketplace where you have um, supply and demand that you're connecting through your platform. With Redox, we really see it as um, software developers on one side connecting to health systems on the other side, and we're not facilitating the matching process between them. We are facilitating, instead, uh, facilitating the exchange of data between those two sides. Um, so that, that's that's fundamentally how we how we think of our solution is is um, exchanging that data value unit between the two sides of our network. Um, so. That, that's kind of like a conceptual high level and we can get into you know how to how we crack that chicken and egg problem but from a technology standpoint it's it's um, it's really a, a centralized uh, data store that uh, has an API built on top of it so um, you know our the developers building applications that work with redox are hitting our consistent API endpoint so that's all openly available on our website and then when they want to work with any of the health systems they uh, reach out to us and let us know, hey, I'm working with you know this health system over here and we'll turn on the data feeds into that organization as long as the health system also approves the, that integration to happen. So over time, we've created this network where we have enough health systems where many of the applications that are building software on top of it, um, they, they find the relevant health systems to work with on the other side. Um, if health systems aren't on the network, we go and, and install them kind of just in time to, to meet the needs of the software developers. When you say that a system is in the, the network, you mean that you have already mapped all the, the data set or all, or, uh, all the language or all, everything uh, related to, to the data uh, information of the system and you are able to, to, to replicate that or you are able to, to connect with other providers or vendors? Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of. So it's really that it's it's not only their 
IT system that they use. It is also the customization that happens at a local level. So each healthcare organization will have their own implementation of electronic health record. And then they've customized it so much that it is you know, truly a unique kind of snowflake where each one uh, is unique in its own ways. So what we have to do is create a network of healthcare organizations um, and the, their electronic health record systems that we um, map into. So, so we connect all of those and we map them into a consistent API structure. Um, so so that, that's how the network, you know, the, the health system side of the network is organized. Um, and that currently comprises about 450 different health systems across the country, um, across the United States. We're, we're only operating in the U.S. right now. Um, and we, we see about six, seven million patients come through that every day. So there's a lot of, a, a lot of kind of patient coverage across the network. All right. So the problem and the solution understood, let's go to the story or the, the beginning of the story uh, of Redox. And I want to understand how did the idea come to your mind? How did the inspiration happen uh, to build this wonderful solution? Yeah, it, it's quite it's quite a niche solution. So, um, you know, my, my background was coming out of the electronic health health record world. So I worked at a company called Epic, which is a very large electronic health record vendor um, and really started to learn and understand the way that the software was being used across the industry. Um, it was there where I, I also met my co-founders who worked in various parts of the organization um, and and uh understood kind of both the business and technical aspects of working with electronic health records. So that's some of the background that we got while working in the industry. Um, after leaving Epic, I left there in 2013, um, I actually started a different healthcare IT company and uh, started to see firsthand the challenges of uh, being an entrepreneur, developing a digital health solution for health systems. Um, and through that experience, um, we, we went through a number of pivots between that company and then eventually starting a co-working space and an incubator focused on health tech. We saw over and over again how digital health companies were running into this barrier of needing to connect up to the health systems and their electronic health records. Um, and so it was through that process where um, me and my co-founder started to realize that, hey, the biggest problem here is not the development of new innovation in the space. Um, the biggest challenge was the adoption of new innovation in healthcare. Um, so we tried to move our attention towards solving that problem and saying, if we can actually um, break down this, this integration barrier, then it can really uh, accelerate the technology adoption across the industry. Um, so that's how we, we ended up doing that. It took us, it literally took us about two years to get from when I left Epic until when we founded Redox in late 2014. Um, to, to realize that that was the problem worth solving. So um, it, it took a lot of feedback from the market and from um, working with various people and talking to investors uh, for us to, to realize that. But once we, once we focused on that problem, it was like a light bulbs going off in that um, things started to click where our skill set really aligned well with the problem that we were trying to solve and um, the constituents we were trying to solve it for. So that's when things started clicking. Um, early on, we didn't know, you know, I, I've described the business earlier as a two-sided network. We didn't know which side was going to pay us. So we thought, hey, maybe we could sell this to health systems and they would pay us um, to, to have an API that they can connect with applications. Um, we also 
had a hypothesis that maybe the software developers would pay us because they're trying to connect to, up to all these health systems. Um, so we had to test that hypothesis or those hypotheses simultaneously in the market. Um, and that's really um, how, how, we, how we started to, to, to crack the chicken or egg problem. Because in a network, you know, when you start, you don't have a network yet. You just, you know, <laughs> if, if there's one person on each side, it's, they're not receiving much value out of a network. Yeah. Um, so we need to kind of determine how to do that. And we tested both sides simultaneously and um, realized, you know, trying to sell the healthcare organizations is a huge challenge and selling infrastructure to them is kind of a head scratcher because they, they weren't understanding what they were going to connect to. Um, so that led us to working with developers who were making apps and saying, Hey, build on top of us and we'll go with you to health systems. And um, through that process, we got live at our first health system. There was a, an app, um, that was made out of uh, out of Stanford um, that you know was used in the operating room and a brilliant application that that uses spatial analysis and machine learning and all of this um, but they didn't know how to get the data back into the EHR um, to the electronic health record so we helped them with that piece and we got live at our first health system and realized wow this is a this is a way we can actually build the network here if we work with software developers they bring us into every health system that they work with um, that's going to essentially build out both sides of the network simultaneously because we make one sale to a developer and then that developer can go make 10 sales to health systems. And so it kind of starts to exponentially grow the network. So, and so that, uh, ju just to understand the, the, the practical steps that you took, because you had, you had that insight. It was uh, an amazing insight. In fact, uh, that uh, you, you shouldn't uh, try to, to, to check the, or to, to serve the development or try to, to develop things, but instead you should uh, tackle the problem of integration. And what, what were the, the very first steps after you have decided or after you had that idea? You, had, you, you have mentioned a lot of things that you had tested, uh, things yeah. have it iterated to, have tested some uh, revenue streams or monetization strategy, but what did you do just for us to understand in the very beginning, you had the idea. Yeah. So right after we we realized that this is a problem we're solving, we said we have to go out and get initial traction because we were running out of money. Um, we had we were using our own savings, and um, we knew that we would need to raise money to to start a, a network business like this. So we said, okay, to raise money, you know, we need to raise money pretty quickly, but we don't think that we can actually get live with our product to to get real traction. Um, and in order to essentially, we designed a, a minimum viable product that would allow us to um, test the market demand and see if there's demand out there. So what we did was we literally called up um, startups, startups in the health tech space. You know, we, we went on to accelerators, websites like y, y Combinator and Techstars and um, Dreamit and uh, Blueprint Health and, and a bunch of these kind of healthcare specific accelerators, Rock Health. And we just started calling those companies and uh, saying, hey, we we came out of the electronic health record world. We want to figure out a way to help you integrate more easily with an API. Uh, would you be interested? And we got amazing hit rates. Uh, we had CTOs calling us back, head of product uh, type folks reaching out to us and saying, yeah, we, we would love to use that solution. What does it look like? How do I use it? How much do I pay? Um, so that was our first sort of sign that that and, demand. And at, that, kind of, at that time, did you have anything to show them? No, no, we had nothing. Uh, we had PowerPoint, <laughs> uh, a PowerPoint deck, um, but okay. but we, we we did have specialized knowledge of 
the sure, way that sure. um, that well, the way that it works for from our background coming out of Epic. Um, so that was kind of the first, I, I'd say, the bottom rung of the traction ladder was just understanding that this was a problem worth solving, and people, you know, very busy people, yeah. you know, technical co-founders of companies were willing to call us and to talk about it. Um, so through those conversations that we were having, we started to understand s- the specifics of the use cases here: what data needs to be exchange- exchanged, how the workflows need to work, um, and that's what helped us start to design our API. Um, so the next stage that we moved on to was um, going deeper and trying to say, can we monetize simply one side of the network? We know we can't get both sides simultaneously because the product isn't there yet, but can we get the vendors, the software developers to pay for 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 something? Um, so essentially we created an API and we put a paywall around it, um, around the documentation of how it would work. So we essentially charged people, it was something like $50 a month just to look at the documentation of how the API would work. Um, and that told us that it was such a problem that people were willing to pay just to look at documentation, which is kind of a, a wow. head scratcher, right? Because um, they weren't getting, <laughs> the only value that they were getting was confidence that they could go to the health system they were working with and say, I know how to do this because I have learned, I have read up on how it, how it should work. Um, and, and from that, so, when people started paying, we called those people up and said, why are you paying? Who are you? What's your use case? Where do you see the the holes in, in how this works? That further refined how our API worked to the point where we eventually, um, you know, I, I skipped ahead earlier to the point where we got live, but um, where we finally realized for a specific customer, um, you know, this is exactly what they need and they have a health system that's ready to go. So we jumped in and basically made the product just in time to support the integration for that first customer. And as we as we learned more from different use cases, we expanded on the functionality. We uh, we broke it out into to many different use cases and kind of broke down the monolithic application into something that can really scale across a bunch of different use cases. To the point now where where yeah, we 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 are still very much listening to our customers, but ninety percent of the time when when a software developer comes to us, we we can actually meet all of their needs. Um, there, there's not much as far as healthcare data exchange goes that that we haven't supported anymore. So that's how we were able to use the feedback from from our end users and the, the core focus on the developer experience to actually drive our product development and drive traction into the into the market. Mm-hmm. And and how long did it take from the idea until you you made the first version of Redux? <laughs> yeah. So we. Um, it was about a year. <laughs> so we, we came up with the idea. We went through this process I just described of calling people and interviewing and um, building out documentation. And then um, I think it was, yeah, it was, it was late 2014. Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was 2015, yeah, when we actually first got live with that customer. Um, and we, we essentially had, um, we, we, we were making a couple thousand dollars a month just on people paying for documentation. So we were able to show investors that the demand was real in this market and mm-hmm. people were continuously paying us. We didn't have any churn of those people, even though they weren't, were, were only receiving documentation and kind of free consultation. Do, um, do you think, do you think that having that, that validation, that initial validation helped you a lot with investors? Absolutely. So we, um, it, it showed investors that we were scrappy enough to figure out how to get people to to buy into a vision before it actually existed. Uh, it also showed that we can generate revenue, like the demand was was high enough that people were willing to pay for it. And um, and then we got live with with our first one or two or three sites 
Um, and that was enough to, to raise our, we raised a series a after that it was 3.5 million. Um, and we really had very little revenue, just a couple thousand dollars a month of reoccurring revenue. Um, but because of the, the feedback we had gotten from the market, we were able to convince investors that, um, that, it, that we would be able to both solve the problem and there was, the market was big enough, uh, for it to be a good bet. Um, and that was, that was 2015 when we were, when we raised 3.5 million, um, after that, our focus was on um, repeating that model, working more and more with developers, mostly with early stage startups, uh, trying to help them get their product live for the first time. Um, so we were able to get in really deep with with companies when you know there was just a, a few people at the company trying to solve the problem. And um, over the years, that's proven to to be where a lot of our growth has come from because some of those companies have grown. And we've grown with them. So, you know, going from their first implementation to their 10th to their 50th, um, that's, that's been paramount for us. And, and how, many, how many investors did you have to, to, or how many investors meetings did you have to? <laughs> um, so we actually, we, we did a couple accelerator programs early on okay. uh, before, before we raised this money. We actually did mm -hmm. two of them. Um, and uh, one of them that we did took us on a developer road, uh, not developer. They took us on an investor roadshow in mm -hmm. Boston and New York and San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And we probably had 50 meetings, um, you know, yeah, a lot okay. of first time meetings and a couple follow up meetings, uh, with various investors mm -hmm. around the country, uh, both angel groups and, uh, venture capital kind of looking at that early stage, uh, investment mm -hmm. and, yeah, in the end, we were able to convince um, our lead investor out of Boston 406 Ventures to to lead the the um, syndicate for that Series A, um, and then we were able to get a couple others to to come in on that um, Flybridge and Health Health X Ventures, um, and so yeah, with with three VCs at the table for our first round, um, I think we surrounded ourselves with really really smart people who were incentivized to help us. Mm -hmm. um, so you know that that team that we put together that, that at the board level um, was always super supportive and um, really behind our vision for what we wanted to do, even though we were so early in the process. And, and from, from the moment that you, uh, that you raised 3.5 million, 2015, how long did it take for you to have uh, a, a similar version of Redox as you have today or your product release? Yeah. Well, so, so, so the product kind of, I would say, uh, iterated at a, at an almost linear rate. So over the years we've, mm -hmm. we've improved and added features and made it more stable and more secure and all of that over the years. And so, um, we've, we've been improving that all along the way. Um, but what really changed in the business was between 2015, when we raised that round until, uh, 2018 was Redox really grow, grew because we were, um, working with vendors who brought us into health systems. Um, mm -hmm. And what happened was some of those vendors started growing quickly. And so we started seeing some exponential growth from that. And then we started moving up market from early stage vendors to later stage companies who are already in many, many health systems. So we, we um, support integrations for Microsoft, for instance, or Stryker, um, or, you know, there's, there's many of these large healthcare companies that, they're by no means startups and they have been doing this for, for decades, if not hundreds of years, and they, they have a established footprint. So we started landing those sorts of contracts because we built up trust in the market. And, um, that has really allowed us to grow much, much faster. Um, 
And then in 2018, something really interesting happened. Um, so, so far throughout this conversation, I've been talking about the vendor side of our two-sided market. But in 2018, what we really started to see was the health system side. So this is like the demand side of our market start to be engaged. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was we would go live at a health system and then they would see how easy that project was and, and you know how easy it is to maintain. Uh, and then the a next piece of software might come along that they want to adopt. And health systems were actually telling software vendors to work with us. Um, so the healthcare organizations actually became a, a channel to drive more vendors into our, our business. And we really started seeing acceleration in growth after that. Um, so at the actually, beginning of- Actually, this is, this is a two-sided channel. This is really interesting because you yep. are able to get vendors, you are able to get the health systems or health providers, and, and you can grow from both sides. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't see that until about 2018. So we were kind of growing at a at a linear rate with with vendors and, and you know, some of those vendors were growing faster than others. Um, but suddenly we started seeing the other side of the market uh, start spinning. And then that's really what drew, drew the drove exponential growth in 2018. So just last year. Um, and, and to put it in perspective, from 2015 until 2018, we grew to about 100 health systems, like healthcare organizations that, that we implemented at, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, so, still pretty good in three years. We got into 100. Um, it, within 2018, uh, we got from 100 to about 450. Um, so wow. th that, that's where we saw the spike happen. Um, mm -hmm. and, and now we're starting to see the network effects of the business. And that's that's really where, you know, we, we just closed our Series C round, which was uh, 33 million. Um, and that's where we're, we're putting a lot of our investment in now is saying, how do we continue to see that exponential growth due to network effects? How can we manufacture those network effects and make them happen? Um, instead of, you know, th they basically happened to us in 2018. We want to figure out how to control them and accelerate them um, into the future. And so, you know, the way that we the way that we initially got traction was through vendors, but the way that we scale, I think, is going to be on the demand side of the market with uh, with health systems. How do we give them an experience such that they want to send all of their integrations through us? Um, you know, we have a few health systems today that anything that they do in the cloud outside of their um, outside of their internal IT systems goes through Redox. So you know, they'll run their electronic health record internally. But any third-party applications that their organization is using go through go through our infrastructure, um, and so we're trying to figure out how to make that a reality across our entire network, um, and at the same time grow our network from 450 to you know hopefully 4,000 in the next few years to really have, you know, the most dense coverage we can um, of, of any patient that might be that might be seen. Yeah, you, you've mentioned about uh, the network ef effect and how do you want to control it uh, or nurture it. Uh, but uh, I would like to understand: uh, Did you do any 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 intense marketing efforts in that time that you think that helped you in generating traction, or was this something uh, more like organic or natural? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So um, for us, marketing has has always been a way for us to really just communicate and share share our vision with the world. So literally when we day one, when we decided to do Redox, I wrote a blog post um, saying, you know, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And um, from that point on, it was really like we using marketing as, as, as a content marketing channel. So, so sharing our 
uh, our vision for the world, our successes, our, our challenges and failures um, very openly and honestly with people. And, you know, we're typically marketing to developers and you, you can't, um, you know, for, for anyone who's experienced marketing developers, you can't really get them with a flashy ad or something like that. You have to give them something valuable, um, mm -hmm. something educational and something useful. And so that's always how we thought of marketing is how do we give these people an experience that they learn from as well as uh, gain trust in us. Um, so that's that's what we did primarily from a marketing standpoint. Um, did that work well? Yeah. So to, to, to this day, we, we have about 70 percent of our business comes inbound um, because we have established, you know, mm -hmm. a content marketing channel. You know, so we get pretty good SEO. Um, we, uh, are, you know, have have a pretty good status as a thought leader in the space of, of how to how to do this um, because mm -hmm. we've been talking about it and writing about it and speaking about it on stage um, for so long. Uh, and then, of course, just having open and candid conversations with with customers or with potential customers and being honest about what we can and can't do and what the way that we want the world to work. Um, I think that's gained a lot of trust in the industry for um, how we're going about doing this. Um, the other thing that we realized early on, um, we, we started going to conferences and we realized that you know, doing an exhibit at a conference is really expensive, but we could for the same price or even, or even cheaper, we could buy the bar down the street and uh, do a party. And so what we started doing was um, <laughs> these, these parties. And, and the first one that we did was at a Mexican restaurant and um, we had mar margaritas and tacos and everybody loved it. And um, we started just trying to find the closest Mexican restaurant to any conference that was happening and, and throw, throw these, these fiestas, these taco parties. Um, and, and people now know us for, for having these taco parties and they're really just low key down to earth events where all we want to do is hang out and talk to people who are interested in this. So we're not giving a big pitch. We're not, um, you know, trying to, to sell. We're just trying to build community around a bunch of people who are trying to make healthcare better. And we're just trying to make, Healthcare is data useful. Um, not, so not, not making them drunk and then trying to sell your solution. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a, uh, <laughs> not a causal relationship, but sometimes it, <laughs> it happens that way. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you throw those that that those parties and 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 you've seen that uh, these this kind of initiatives are are really better or at least more effective or at least not not so expensive as as being at great events. You know, it, it started that way for sure that, that we mm -hmm. were like, hey, this is cheaper than, than doing an exhibit booth. But what it's really turned into is that it's just it's just so much more fun than trying to sell, right? We're just getting to know these people. We're mm -hmm. getting down to their level and understanding their needs um, and, and, and building some trust and relationship through that process. Because I don't think anyone walks away from one of our taco parties, uh, you know, signing a contract with us. But what they do is they, they associate a face to the brand and, um, you know, get to know us as humans. Uh, and that we're, we're just there trying to help them and listen to their needs um, so that they not only buy us for the services we offer today, um, but like our CTO says, that they buy us for our roadmap in the future because we're committed to helping solve this problem in the long term. So um, they can trust that that hopefully we're on the cutting edge of solving this problem and they don't have to worry about that anymore. So they're buying this relief, um, and sometimes this relief to the point of excitement. Um, yeah, so so it, it goes far beyond marketing in that sense to um, product feedback and to building relationships. And um, yeah, but at the end of the day, it is a field marketing activity, and so it's like traditionally mm -hmm. in that bucket. Um, 
but for us, it's really just, you know, going out there and having fun with our customers, um, drinking, a, we, we call them margarita oxes now, um, <laughs> where it's just a margarita, <laughs> but we call it that. <laughs> yeah. Great, great, great initiative and, and, and really fun. And of course, focusing on, on knowing your customers and the relationship. For sure. So, Nico, um, before ending the interview, I would love to hear from you a piece of advice for startup entrepreneurs that are just in the beginning of their ventures or are trying to generate some traction. And what kind of things from your experience uh, by developing Redox and all your experience um, with your career too, would you say them to, to help them on this, this journey? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I see with early entrepreneurs is uh, trying to solve the problem from inside inside the conference room or inside your, your, your office. Um, mm -hmm. for, for us, the, where we really started to see uh, how to solve the problem and how we would break into the market was through deep conversations with our customers or with potential customers, getting to know them really well, um, you know, getting at their elbow and, and discussing the problem and understanding how they're solving it today and um, how they'd, they'd want the world to look. And that helped us paint a picture for um, a product that, that, um, was really designed around those needs. So getting deep with customers, I think is super important and doing that as fast as possible. Um, I see a lot of entrepreneurs like work on the business model and market research and um, doing surveys and things like that. Um, but I don't, I don't think anything beats just actually sitting face to face with one of the, with a potential customer and talking through the problem with them. Um, e even if you don't have a solution yet, uh, I kind of think of it as a couple, couple stages of, of progression with, with, customer discovery. First is just meeting with them to understand their problems. And then you can go back, you know, a couple of weeks later, maybe to that same person and say, Hey, we listened to your feedback. Now we have this solution that I'd love your feedback on. And maybe it's at a point where you can actually try it. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, go back to them again and say, Hey, we've, we've iterated again. And now we want you to pay for it and see if you know, they'll actually put money with their, um, where they've described problems. Um, so it, it's, you, you are iterating and testing out an, a minimum viable product, but more importantly, you're building a relationship with people such that they're going to give you honest feedback about um, how your product will affect their lives. Um, and I think that's the fundamentally most important thing in the early stage of a company is getting deep with your customers. And honestly, it's something that's been hard for us to hold on to as we've gotten larger. Uh, we have about 100 employees now. Um, as we've started to specialize in different areas, um, you start to, to break up that customer relationship into, you know, what is marketing talking to customers about and what is sales and implementation and support and customer service, right? Um, whereas that used to be one person that could see the full picture. Um, that, that's something that's hard to hold on to as you grow as well. And I think why large companies um, can sometimes get stuck in having uh, poor customer service experiences. And, and, you start, and you start talking about process instead of people, and, and everything gets into the system. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay. So, and you throw margarita parties for, <laughs> for people so, to solve that problem. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's, that's awesome, Nico. So that's, that's really great. It was a pleasure hearing you and listen to all your experience. And thank you so much for being with us today. Um, and I wish you all the best for you and for Redux team too. Yeah, likewise. Th thanks a lot for the interview. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And how about you? Did you like this episode? 
please visit us at attractionstage.com and leave your comment. There you will find all the episode's show notes as well as additional information about the founders and their startups. I'll wait for you there. Bye-bye.